Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everyone, welcome back to Latter Day Takes. Thank you all for tuning in. I've got an awesome episode today. I've been looking forward to publishing this one. Uh, it's a really, really cool episode that specifically goes over the life of uh, an old friend of mine from a BYU ward who got married, and then two months later, her husband got hit by a car uh, while riding a bike, and he lost the use of his legs. He's been a paraplegic ever since. They're about two years into the marriage now, almost a two two-year anniversary of him getting hit, and um, she details that, and we go through that, and uh, I thought it was worth sharing their story. Um, her, her name is Jill Patton, and she has done a great job of kind of documenting their progress on social media, so that's why I was aware of it, and I thought it was worth putting it out there as much as possible, and obviously this is just one platform for them. I think they're going to need many more because this is a great story, and their attitudes have been fantastic and stay tuned throughout the whole story because there are some really cool things that come up in this in this specific episode and just kind of talking about love for the gospel love of christ helping them get through this uh as well as just you know the mercy and the forgiveness that they've extended uh to everyone involved and it was really cool to hear jill go through that it was all new to me so a lot of that was revelatory, and um, I, I really appreciated Jill taking the time to come on. So I hope you all enjoy this one. Um, I hope you all have had a great weekend. I owe a couple shout-outs to some family members of mine. Um, a few months ago, uh, about two and a half months ago, 75 days ago, about, uh, we were introduced to the idea of doing 75 hard, kind of, um, some of us in my family. My sister, her husband, and her some of her kids, uh, specifically her oldest daughter and her husband, I think were the ones that really kind of wanted to do it. And Amanda, is, who's been on this podcast before, talking about kind of past relationships she's been in, being engaged to a, a terrible guy that abused her and everything like that. And then getting out of that, marrying this guy, Dalton, who's great, awesome, um, has been amazing, not just in that marriage, but just a great fit for the family. And we've loved having Dalton around, no question about that. Anyway, I, I'm giving them the shout out because not only did they introduce us to the idea of doing 75 hard together, but they also um, won it. They actually did it. And here's the thing about 75 hard is that it's hard. 75 hard is not easy. And um, it's only like five things you have to do every day, but those five things are pretty tough, and specifically the two 45-minute workouts, one that you have to do outside every day, it can it can be tough. I think I only made it in about a week and a half, and I was like, nah, I'm good, <laughs> which I'm not good. Obviously, I should have stuck to it. I, I think it's a really cool idea, and it really requires a lot of discipline. So big shout-out to Amanda and Dalton for following through and getting that done and setting the example to all of us. Y'all have earned it and deserved it. So um, 
yeah, keep at it, guys. Uh, keep setting the example for all of us, and maybe someday I'll actually finish it. Actually, maybe someday I'll start it and then finish it, but who knows. Anyway, once again, um, hope you all are doing well. Hope you had a great weekend, and uh, hope you're going to gear up for a great week. And I especially hope you enjoy this podcast. Um, and if you do, feel free to share it to others. I think it'll be uh, one worth sharing for sure. Not that not that they all aren't worth sharing, let's be honest, but this one in particular I think is pretty fulfilling. Anyway, have a great week, y'all. Mormons are my favorite. They're my favorite. Yeah, okay. They're absolutely yeah. my favorite. All Mormons are nutty Mormons. Mormons are the nicest cult of all time. Beautiful, and these Mormons are so nice. Everybody's so nice. <laughs> Everybody's so nice in Utah. Just being a Mormon's nutty. Mormons are really nice people. Totally nice. They are the yes. best cult. My favorite religion is Mormons. They're the nicest people. Shout out to the Latter-day Saints. Joining me on the podcast today is uh, another old friend of mine from the BYU days, Jill Christensen Patton now. I just remember you as Jill Christensen. Yes. Um, <laughs> we were in the same ward, the BYU ward. Uh, I don't even know what the year would have been. It would have been like maybe 2011. I think so. Roughly. 2011, yeah. Yeah. You were in Chatham Town, I think, yeah. and I lived in my grandma's basement with a couple roommates. Yes. Yeah. I remember that. That's awesome. <laughs> um, Jill, I wanted to bring you on specifically today because I think you have a very great story. Now... That may be a weird way of putting it, and people will understand what I mean by that here in a little bit, but really what I mean is that your attitude and your reaction to this story has been nothing short of amazing to see, and this has been something that you've shared a lot on social media, Facebook. That, that's where I've seen it, at least. Talking about your current situation, you, you've been married for a few years now? Two years. Uh -huh. Two years. Um, and within the first year of marriage... Your husband and remind me of his name again. Is it Austin? Austin. I was gonna say I thought it was Austin because I remember you like whenever you post, you always mention his name. Yeah. Um, and we'll get to this part of the story here in a second, but the reason why to just get this out of the way is because Austin is a is a recent paraplegic. Yes. Lost lost the use of his legs after you guys had gotten married, which is not a common story for a lot of people. That's not something anybody really thinks would ever happen to them. And that's why I thought this is a story that I feel like is very worthy of sharing. And I want as many people as possible to hear it. And you've been open about it. So I thought, why not bring her on the podcast and have her talk about it? But be, before we get to the specifics of what happened and how you've responded from there, let's talk about kind of the origin story here for you and Austin. Um, you said you'd, we were just kind of briefly discussing, you said you met in the singles ward Yes. Uh, you're both from different areas. You're neither of you are from Utah. You're from Virginia, and he's yeah. from Chicago. Yeah. Um, you guys met. Never thought you'd be a Utah family per se, but here you are living out in Saratoga Springs. Yes, yeah, we love Utah now. We both always said yeah. we would probably end up back east again, and neither of us did. So, and his family, his parents now live in Las Vegas. And my parents live in Utah now. So, oh, your parents live in Utah now. I didn't know that. Yes. Wow. So they moved the same year when Austin got hurt. They moved that summer here. Was that why? Or no, was that just coincidental? That was coincidental. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Pretty awesome. So, and also give a little overview of what you do. Um, elementary school teacher, which is what you were doing when we were at BYU. You had like just graduated, I think. 
Yes. I was doing my student teaching when I met you in in our ward. Yeah. Yeah. So it was second grade. I've taught second grade for coming up this next year will be 10 years. So, wow. Yeah. And how has that been? I mean, I know that the the first answer you want to say is, oh, I love it, but let's get down to the nitty gritty. It's hard. Okay. It's definitely hard for sure. And I did teach one year of first grade and then bumped back to second grade, but it's been great. It's definitely been, um, I'm passionate about it, but it's definitely a lot of work for sure. So real quick, when are kids at their worst in elementary school? Which grade is it? I would say first grade. Really? I did love first grade just because they're so little. Um, mm-hmm. Second grade, I think, is the golden year because they love being at school and they're becoming more independent. So I oh, love great. Kind yeah. of the sweet spot there. Yeah, for sure. And they're not too much into cliques. They're all still pretty innocent. Exactly. Exactly. They love being there. They love making friends. They love learning. So it's that's it's great. Fun. Yeah. By third grade, their personalities start to get too developed and they turn into little monsters. <laughs> For sure. A little sassy. So. <laughs> but maybe you don't want to go on record saying that. That's okay. I'll go on record saying that. <laughs> yes. There you go. Love it. So let's get into, and I'll talk, I'll, I'll be curious what Austin does here in a bit, but okay. what, um, let's get into when you met Austin that whole scenario. I mean, you don't need to go into like the details of dating and everything, but okay. you met him. How, how much longer do you, so you could get married? Okay. So we met, we've known each other for almost six years. We met, I don't even remember what year it was, um, but we were actually co-chairs in a calling. So anybody that doesn't know what that is, um, it's just a job that you have at church um, and we work together. So we met and I actually did not like him at all. I thought he was pretty (laughs) arrogant and had no interest in him. And he did not have an interest in me. We dated other people for years. So, um, and eventually became best friends over those years. Somehow we just kept hanging out and, um, he was friends with my roommates as well. So we would see him a lot. Um, and eventually he convinced me, he asked me out and I said, no. Um, and just, then, no, just cause you were like, I don't think I just click. was like thrown off. Cause we had been such good friends that I was like, I don't think we can go from friend zone to dating. It just was, it was weird. So I friend said, zone no, end zone. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, and he was pretty upset. He was like, come on, just give me one date. Um, he eventually convinced me to go on a date with him. Um, and it was not a good date. We both laugh about it because it was a really awkward first date. Um, but then ended up continuing trying to go on dates. And then we eventually <laughs> hit the point of like, okay, wait, I do actually really like you. And then ended up getting engaged and married. So it took a long time. So that was like a span of four, almost five years. Wow. So, or I guess it was four years because we've been married too. So it took us yeah. four years to get married. And then finally, yeah here we are. <laughs> so that's crazy. amazing. Yeah. I yeah. love hearing different so. random stories of how people find each other, get married. And I love your hesitancy there, but then him convincing you. And then even after the first date being as bad as it was still being like, well, I don't know, maybe there's something there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it just goes to show that you can end up marrying one of your friends because we were friends yeah. and I never, everybody said when we first met years before that, 
people told us, oh, you're going to get married. And I was like, ew, no. Oh my gosh. I have zero interest in him whatsoever. Um, and then here we are. So, and people wrote us later and said, I called it. I knew you guys would get married. And I was, I had, didn't see it at all. So that's it, funny. Yeah. Well, yeah. Honestly, that's a great story. So <laughs> you guys get married. How, and I want you to take us through kind of those maybe 24, 48 hours of, of when the accident had happened, but how long have you been married? I remember you had posted about it before you were at a wedding reception. Yes. Right before it happened. So how long had you been married to that point? Okay. So we had been married um, almost exactly two months. Wow. I didn't know it was that quick. Yes. So it had only been two months. We were at my, one of my cousin's wedding receptions that night. So she had a beautiful reception. We ended up taking a bunch of pictures that night, which I'm so grateful for because those were our last photos of him standing and us being, you know, a standing couple, I guess. Which, um, and you're pretty tall, by I the am, way, right? Yes. What are you, I'm like 5'9"? Five five nine. Nine? Mm-hmm. Yeah, five and what is he? He is 5'11". Oh, okay. He actually looks taller in the pictures. Yeah. Um, but I remember there's this picture specifically. I think he's like playing cornhole or something that night. That you yeah. snapped him. It looks like a beautiful night. And I can only imagine kind of the memory of that night and how much that you hold dear to that specific moment in your life. Yes. Not to say that there's, it's like, I don't want to imply that like, then, then your life was the worst thing ever forever after that. You know, it's, it's just a big paradigm shift. That's all. For sure. Which we can handle paradigm shifts, right? We can, yes. we can get through that. And of course you, you have a specific way of going about that, but sorry, I'm jumping the gun here. Take us back to that night. No, you're good. So we left. We ended up leaving the reception probably around nine. My family hung out for a little while after that. Um, But we had to get home. So Austin's youngest brother um, was getting ready to leave for his mission for the church. Um, So we left because we were going to we were going to Las Vegas the next day. So the day of his accident, we were supposed to go to Las Vegas. So we left a little bit early, but it was beautiful. I just remember like watching the sunset. We got all these beautiful photos. Um, But yeah, it definitely is a day that I will forever remember every little detail of that night. So playing cornhole, we danced together and Austin hates dancing. So, so it was like one of those. And he, we kind of joke about it now because he's like, oh, that was my last time that I had to like officially dance on, you know, on my leg. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> so, but so it's kind of funny now, but we do have a picture of it. So it's actually in my kitchen. I framed it and my mom gave it to me. And so it's sitting in my kitchen of us dancing. That's amazing. Right? I love that. Yeah. yeah. So kind of interesting how all of that works out because absolutely tender mercies, right? Exactly. Exactly. I look at those photos and I'm like, wow, that could not have been a more perfect thing to be at, to have all those photos of the night one night before he, our lives changed forever. So Mm -hmm. pretty crazy. Um, real quick, before I forget, you were in Bishop Barney's ward, right? Uh, no. Was that the word? Was that the word I was in in Provo? I don't remember. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah. He, so he was, he's a paraplegic. That's why I bring him up. Oh, interesting. 
you I mean you did go to church I remember seeing you there so <laughs> I was very active <laughs> I'm like wait I don't remember I don't remember the bishop at all I'm going to have to, I'm if, if you're interested I cuz I've still maintained a pretty good relationship with him Yes one of my favorite like no joke like one of the best bishops I've ever had. He was fantastic yeah. down at BYU. Paraplegic. Yeah. He got shot in the back when he was 14. In fact, at some point, I'd probably like to bring him uh, you should. onto the podcast to talk about his story because he has one of the best attitudes I've ever seen in my life. Wow. Um, and he accomplished so many things in a wheelchair. So at yeah. some, it sounds like you should talk to him at the very least just to have his perspective on some things. Yes, I would love and that. And his wife as well, because his wife is not a paraplegic and yeah, yeah, a lot awesome. very similar to your situation. Yeah. Um, yours is even more unique though. Sorry, what? I can't believe I can't remember though. Now I'm going to be funny. trying to yeah. think if he was the bishop at that time. That is so insane to me. So I'm going to have to look back. I'm going to have to try and figure out if I was in the world. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll send you like some pictures and stuff and see if right. anything jars your memory. Yeah. But it, I, I think that's a connection worth making regardless. For it's sure. fun. That'd be funny if he was your bishop and you just forgot about that. But because yes. it yeah. was a short time because I student taught for three months. It was three or four months. And then I was out of that ward. I was only in that ward for a short period and so I was kind of you know I was active but I just wasn't invested yeah. in like getting to in know well yeah, yeah for sure and yeah. So, that's so interesting so yeah definitely send me yeah. that <laughs> for definitely and your in your situation is even more unique because his wife Trish um already knew he was a paraplegic marrying him oh like, hey. like he had been a paraplegic for seven eight nine years i don't know what age, at what oh, age he got married but so his he got, got pretty young he was, yeah, was 14 he was 14 years old and he got 14. oh my goodness he was, yeah just wow. give you a little overview he had gotten shot in the lower back accidentally by one of his friends who was trying to just get rid of the last uh shotgun shell uh-huh and he was going over to the other side of the fence but as he was doing that he like kind of stumbled and the butt of the rifle hit the fence Oh. and misfired and nailed him right in the back and from then oh, on he was never able to walk again wow that's crazy yeah. oh my goodness and he was he was a little adventure kid in in idaho growing up just oh, doing I'm everything sure. he could. yeah so, wow that's amazing big shift for him as well anyway yeah. sorry no, i don't mean to detract from that but no, so right. how did the how did the accident take place and i don't mean to get too personal if this is too personal you let me know because I haven't actually seen really the details of the accident or anything. I don't actually really know what happened. Yeah. No, we are an open book. So we, we're very open about anything that people ask us. So it's not, and if I get emotional, I'm really sorry. No, <laughs> I, no sometimes hard for me to talk about. Um, I'm but sure. yeah, but I'm very open with whatever questions you have. So, um, so it was on a Saturday. So we, um, yeah, it was so Friday night was my cousin's reception. Then Saturday we were supposed to go to um, Las Vegas to say bye to his younger brother for his mission. Um, and so we had a couple of things that morning that we were trying to get done before we went to Las Vegas. So I was up early. I had a meet and greet with my students actually for the first time. I was meeting my class for that year. School started on Monday, and so they were having like a little breakfast for the school. So I was up getting ready for that. Austin needed to take his car in 
to get some things fixed while we were out of town. And so he was like, okay, I'll drop off my car and then I'll just cycle back because I couldn't take him because I had to go to the breakfast. So he was like, I'll just drop off my car at the dealership and I'll just ride home. So I'm getting ready and I, I randomly get a call from Austin. And I was like, that's really weird because he never calls me on his bike rides ever. So I'm thinking, okay, this is really strange. So I pick up the phone and I'm like, hi, honey, like what's up? Um, and then I immediately hear a female voice on the phone and I was like, oh my gosh, what on earth? So she's like, hi, this is so-and-so is this Jill. Are you Austin's wife? And so I immediately say, yes, this is his wife. Um, and then she tells me your husband's been hit by a car. Um, he is injured and hurt. And I, can you get here? And I'm like, yes, where are you? And I immediately start falling. So I'm on the phone trying to figure out where they are. Um, you're at the school at this point. Yeah. I hadn't left yet. So I was getting ready in the bathroom. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. The school yet. I was just about to leave. So I'm so glad they caught me actually before I had gone to the school because I probably wouldn't have picked up at, during the breakfast. Right. So yeah. I was so grateful they had caught me ahead of time. So it's probably like 8.15 when I get the phone call. Um, and she says, um, and then she tries to give me directions of where they are. And I come to realize they're two miles up the street from our apartment. So I get in my car and I just start driving up the hill. And my first thought is, wow, the sun, I can't see anything because the sun was up and over the, and starting to rise and it was really bright outside. And, um, and I'll, I'll make the point later of why that's interesting. So I'm driving yeah. and I can't see anything. Um, I eventually pass a light and I see an ambulance cop cars, um, a fire truck. And I'm like, okay, that's him. So I'm shaking. I'm in a state of shock. Um, I frantically park my car down in a little parking lot and then run up the hill to him. Um, and the police officer says, okay, like they have to calm me down for a second before I go over to him. Cause I'm in, in a state of shock. Um, and then they say, how about you go say hi and let him know that you're here. So I go over and I grab his hand and I just say, honey, hi, I'm here. Are you okay? And he's just screaming, I'm in pain. I'm in pain. I'm in pain. Just over and over and over again. Um, and I'm like crying because I, I pull my hand back and there's blood on my hand because he had road rash all over his hands. I'm sure. Um, so that made me even more panicked. Um, but I didn't know the extent of his injuries. So they the cop pulls me over and he just says, okay, I'm going to have you sit in my car can you call somebody? And I said, yes, I'm going to call his brother. So I called Austin's brother and I just was like, Austin was hit by a car. Can you get here? I'm too shocked to drive. Like I can't drive to the hospital. And they wouldn't let me in the ambulance because I was too frantic. So they were like, I don't want you to freak out and pass out. And then we're dealing with two, you know, two people that are in a state of shock. So they eventually, um, put Austin under they sedated him because he was in obviously severe amounts of pain. So he suffered, um, he had nine broken ribs, a broken pelvis, torn bladder, two collapsed lungs, um, and then a break, a broken ankle, um, a break at T six and seven. And then he had a completely severed spinal cord, but I didn't know any of this. 
So I, I'm assuming the whole time that he just has a broken leg. Like I, that is what I just assumed. I, my brain didn't even like go to, Oh, he could be paralyzed. Oh, you know, he could have some serious problems. So it was definitely, yeah. Yeah. So, and it was just my brain just being like, Oh, okay. He's got a broken arm. You're thinking he's, he's surviving. Like I'm not losing him. Yeah, exactly. So, and I didn't realize, cause when we did get to the hospital, eventually they did tell me, they were like, we were just trying to keep him stable because even though he was conscious, like he, he, um, didn't suffer any brain injuries. Yeah. I was going to say it didn't sound like that. Yeah. And so he was conscious and like, could like talk and he was just screaming, like I'm in pain. Um, and I can't breathe because he had two collapsed lungs. Yeah. 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 He couldn't breathe. So he just kept screaming that out to the paramedics just saying like, I can't breathe. And so they're like, yeah, no wonder you couldn't breathe. You, you had some really rough things going on. So no question. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So dang, I don't even know where to go from here. <laughs> like that is, that is so intense. Yeah. Um, so do you know exactly what happened in the accident? Like how he got hit and everything? Yes. So, um, that's why my thought of, so the driver, she was coming and taking a left turn. Um, and Austin was coming down Fort Union Boulevard. So this is in Cottonwood Heights. Um, and he, oh, yeah, I was going to ask that. Cottonwood Heights. Okay. Yeah. He's coming uh, down Fort Union from which, from which way? So he was up near, I, I don't even remember where he dropped his car off. Um, but so he was coming down the hill, coming south. Uh-huh. So like, yeah. he, he's right where that is. Our apartment. Yeah. Near the target. But the Cottonwood Heights rec center is, is kind of around that area. Right. And there's that huge hill that the main road that everybody uses. There's Lone yeah. Star Taqueria, right? Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. And then there's like a school and then there's a target on the corner. Yep. yep. So that was right where we were. So our apartment complex was right near that target. So so he's coming down the hill. Yeah. Which side of the street is he on? So he's coming down the hill. He's on the right. And the driver is turning left. So she's gotcha. left into the parking lot. And she couldn't see him because of the sun. The sun. So that was, was so interesting because when I was driving to the scene, I was like, wow, I really can't see. The sun is right in my eyes. Um, and so it was really interesting because that gave me a lot of peace knowing that she really had no way of avoiding him because there was no, you could not see at all. Um, and he was in neon green. His bike was, um, or no, he was in neon orange and his bike is neon green. And so, so you totally went prepared as a biker. Yeah. Very smart cyclist. He follows the laws of the road. Um, very safe, has a light on his bike. You know, he's got all. So I'm you, let me just point this out real quick. You have a very, and and this is something that I admire big time. Your first thought with the sun being in her eyes was that you were, you were grateful that it seemed like there was a, at least a good reason for that to happen. And it wasn't just kind of her being careless or certainly definitely not malicious by any means. And not that you would ever make an accusation like that, but careless or absent-minded or whatever it might be, Uh as opposed to saying, why did the sun have to be in her eyes in the first place and taking that route and kind of almost cursing God in a sense where you're like that, why did that have to happen? 
right. to us, like to Austin. For and sure. the driver. So that's pretty amazing that your first thought is to think, I understand that could happen to anybody. That could happen to me. Yes. And so it just brought me, I was just really grateful for the clarity of knowing like, okay, this was a completely just freak accident. It was one of those, like the timing, she just, he happened to be there right as she was turning. Um, And another interesting thing actually um, that prepared us I, so when we first got married, every Saturday, Austin would go for these long bike rides. And I would tell him every Saturday, I was like, you're going to get hit by a car. I was like, I don't know why. I was like, I kept having this feeling like you're going to get hit by a car. And he, and he actually had the thoughts of that as well um, for years. Like, and he just kind of put it in the back of his mind. Like he knew he was going to experience a really tough trial, like a really bad accident. Um, and so somehow I know God was preparing us. He was preparing us to be able to handle this situation. Um, and so when I did get the phone call, I wasn't completely surprised. Like I was definitely still shocked, but I was like, Oh, here it is. I I knew that this was going to happen. So kind of crazy. And so, and he he knew as well, it prepared him as well. So, wow. Yeah. Okay. So you're at the hospital. When do you, when do you find out that he's lost the use of his legs? Okay. So his brother, so Ethan finally gets to the scene, his brother, um, and Ethan, and I'm texting my family like while I'm waiting for Ethan, cause it felt like a year for him to get there, even though it probably wasn't, it was probably like 10 minutes for him to get there. Um, so I'm texting my family saying like, Hey, please just start praying for Austin. Cause I have no idea the extent of his injuries. Um, and so his brother and I start driving to the hospital. Um, and they immediately pull me into a side room with a social worker. And I was kind of like, that's weird. Cause I thought, Oh, I'll just sit in the waiting room and wait for them mm-hmm. to tell me, you know, he broke his leg. So they pull me into a side room and this social worker starts asking me all these questions. And I was like, this is really strange, but okay. So I just go along with it. I'm still having no clue. What kinds of questions? So she was just saying like, do you have any children? What's your job? What's your husband's job? Um, What is your husband's job, by the way? um, He is a data analyst for Costa Vida. Oh, and so so that's what he's been doing the whole time. Yes. And we love it. We eat Costa like three or four times a week. I feel like (laughs) (laughs) we love it. We're huge. Yeah. (laughs) Nice little bonus there. Okay. And that, so his situation in life was not affected at all. Like his job wasn't affected by that at all. No, thank goodness. Thank goodness for sure. Okay. Anyway, sorry. I just meant to ask that earlier. Oh no, you're good. So she's asking me like, what's his job? What's my job? Um, and just like asking us where we live and just all kinds of things. And I'm just sitting there and she's writing all these down on a piece of paper. And I'm kind of like, okay. And I just thought it was kind of strange, but I, I just went with it. I was like, okay. You, you hadn't really experienced something like this before. So you're thinking oh. maybe this is the norm and nobody ever talks about it. Yeah, I was like, oh, maybe like they told her that I was in a state of shock. So they assigned her to me because I was, I was definitely like very like frazzled, just seeing your spouse, yeah. you know, on the pavement, like screaming in pain. So I was like, definitely traumatized. Um, so I just assumed like, okay, there's, there's a wife coming in that's really upset and try to calm her down. 
Um, and so, and she did, she was very nice just writing down a whole bunch of things. Um, and so that took probably 30 minutes. I feel like it was probably 30 to 45 minutes where she's just asking questions, sitting in there with me and his brother. Um, and then slowly my family, um, starts showing up. So they start coming in, um, and his family as well. So Ethan had texted his sister, um, and his parents to just say, Hey, we don't know what's going on, but Oh, this is just kind of the family that was local around, yeah. like probably not his parents. Family in Utah, so and they were in Vegas, right? Yeah, so his parents were in Las Vegas, and so Ethan was texting them, just saying, "Hey, I'll keep you updated on what's going on," because um, we haven't heard anything. And so they were like, "Okay, just keep us posted." Um, so then, about forty-five minutes later, was finally when two of the surgeons came into the room. Um, and that was the moment that it just, I, I, I've never been in more shock in my life. So I just assumed, um, when they first came in, they were beating around the bush. They were kind of like, so your husband has some pretty severe injuries and I'm sitting there like, okay. And I'm still stuck on the broken leg thing. So I keep being like, okay, so he has like a really bad, like broken leg or broken arm, like. So you need to take him to surgery, put some like yeah. bolts and screws in there or whatever. Um, and so, and they're like, no, no, like really bad. And I'm sitting there like, okay. And they're like, he had a break in his back at um, T5 and or six and seven. I keep saying five, but it's six and seven. I think <laughs> I need to like, <laughs> my, um, but they were like, so um, he has a break. And, and I'm assuming like, okay, so you can fix a broken back, right? Like I'm just sitting there like not understanding what they're saying. Um, and then finally another doctor's trying to say like, yeah, so when you break your back, like he's explaining where in the back it broke. Um, and then all of his other injuries. So they're saying he suffered nine broken ribs. He has a, a broken pelvis, like going over all of his injuries. Um, and then my sister, finally, she was in, she came in the room with us and she finally said, so what are you saying? Like, what are you getting at? And he said, I'm so sorry. Um, your husband is paralyzed, um, from the waist down and he will never walk again. It's a complete injury. So, um, sometimes you can have an incomplete injury where you can gain back some of your feeling in your legs or whatever part of the body that you hurt. Um, and so for him, they had to show me an x-ray because I could not process it. Um, and so when they showed me the x-ray, a piece of his spine was like up near the top of the x-ray, like just floating. And then the other piece of his spine was down at the bottom Oh my they goodness. They were like a complete sever. Yeah. So they had to show me this because I was just not understanding why they couldn't fix it. I was just desperate for them to say, please just fix it. Like I need you to take him into surgery. And the doctor finally had to say to me, Jill, if I take your husband into surgery right now, he will probably not make it. And I was like, okay. So that was the moment when I had to be like, okay, I need to recognize that this is way, way more severe than I can even comprehend right now. So, um, so that at that point they just said right now, we're just trying to keep him stable and alive. And when his body, when we think his body can handle it, we will go in and mend all of the broken bones, but there's no way to fix a spine. And so a spinal cord. And so that was when it hit. So, so 
at that point when they say they're just trying to keep him alive, that was they were pretty hopeful about that, right? Like his his life wasn't really on the line at that point. Yes, they um they were trying to keep him stable. They, if they had taken him into surgery, they said he would have probably gone into cardiac arrest and then passed away, um because his body was in a state of shock. So sure, the, yeah. the only reason we would take him into surgery is if we really think we could have saved some part of it. So that if he had an incomplete injury and they could have tried to mend that enough that he could get back some feeling, they would have done it. Um, but they're like, we're not going to put him through surgery if we know that there's no possible way that he can be, that it can be fixed. So, gotcha. yeah. So that was the point when I realized like, oh, Okay. And then they re- they were telling me like, you're in it for the long haul. Like you are in, you'll be in the hospital for a very long time. Um, you need to start preparing for that. And so then I, of course was, we were calling his parents and my parent, like my parents had already made it there. And so trying to figure out what to do at that point. So how long were you in the hospital for? We were there for a total of 50 days. So um, we, so he was that's insane. So that's almost two months. Wow. Yeah. Almost two months, which I actually was expecting it to be even longer. Um, cause some do have to stay longer depending on their level of injury and, um, how much rehab they have to go through. So, but yeah, two, two months felt like an eternity. I was like, it was, it was, it was insane. So, wow. and not what I ever expected or of course not i mean how can you plan for that yeah so exactly yeah so let's talk about do you need to take or you're good oh no if you need to take a five or anything like that just let me know (laughs) you're good you're good Um, uh let's talk about how you've adapted i mean i imagine that's a process and you're probably still going through at least some of that process but I'm curious kind of how you've responded and and specifically since this is kind of a church oriented podcast for the most part. Uh-huh. I mean the, the name of the podcast is Latter Day Takes. I don't know if you even knew that, but yes. it's uh so obviously like that's um kind of what the 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 basis of what we try and hit on. So I'm curious kind of how you've responded and how the gospel has played a role in all that for you. For sure. Um, so Austin, I won't get into it a ton just because it's, um, spiritual for him, um, and kind of personal, obviously to him. Um, but he went through a lot. So he was out for four days. Um, and I, I did not know that Austin was, I I did not know that Austin already knew that he was paralyzed. So for four days, I was trying to prepare myself on how I was going to tell Austin that he would never walk again or do the things that he loves the same way again. Um, and so thankfully he actually already knew at the point when, right when he got hit, he knew he was paralyzed. So, and he, yeah. And when he woke up or when he was not sedated anymore, he told the story verbatim of what was on the police report. So he said, oh, I know it was this car that hit me. I remember landing this far away from my bike. I remember laying in the road. I remember when Jill came to the scene and grabbed my hand. Like he could tell tell verbatim what had happened. 
um, and knew on the scene that he was paralyzed. And he had been screaming that before I got to the scene. You got there. Yeah. Wow. So there's video footage. Um, one of the cops had a video on his vest. Like a body cam. He, yeah, or the body cam. And he recorded the entire thing. And of course, it was insanely emotional to watch um, because you hear Austin screaming that, like, I'm paralyzed. I can't feel my legs. And and then when I get to the scene, he's just screaming, I'm in pain. I'm in pain. So he actually knew right right then and there, which was really a blessing. Um, and then those four days that he was out had many spiritual experiences and felt very much um, very close to God and um, our Savior and which was a really, really amazing thing. Um, and I don't know how people go through it without this kind of thing. I don't know how people go through it without believing in God because that is what carried us. Like I look back and I'm like, I have no idea how we did that. Cause I, so I took off a month of work to be in the hospital with him, but then had to go back eventually just because it was, it was hard to, try and juggle everything. And so I went to back to work. Um, and then I would, so I would get up, go to work, drive over to the hospital after work, stay with Austin till about 11 at night and then drive home to our apartment and then start over. So it was insane. Yeah. So those first few months I look back and I'm like, I have no idea how we did it. We did that. Like, I just know it was God helping us and sending us a ton of support, friends and family and strangers. And it just so, so many people reached out and have helped us through this. And we couldn't have done it without that. And so, um, so yeah, the transition home was the worst. It So in the hospital, you feel pretty surrounded by doctors and nurses and PTs and all kinds of people that can help you. Um, and that they know his med medicine schedule and when to turn him over, because if you don't turn enough, you get pressure sores. So since he can't feel that half of his body. And so when we got home, that is when like crap hit the fan. Like it was just like, okay, Cause I had to just take over on a lot of that, a lot of those things that the nurses used to do. And it's um, baptism by fire. I mean, like did, did they really put you through training or anything like that? I got a little bit of training, but it still felt like I just, we both just felt like we were not. Right. Ready. How could you be ready for this? And I'm sure the training itself is even streamlined as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, I'm a pretty small person, um, not very muscular. Um, and so the therapists even were like, oh, you need to start lifting weights to be able to like transfer him because I have to like try to lift when he first got home. So he couldn't yeah. transfer himself in and out of the car or into the shower or, you know, he could not do very much on his own at all. Um, and so that was really, really scary. Cause I was like, okay, if he falls and we did, we had a couple of times where he fell on the ground and I couldn't get him up. And so I had to call a friend or family and be like, Hey, can you come over? Austin's on the ground and I can't get him up. Um, and so that was really, really scary. So for me, I, I'm going to ask you this very specific question. Okay. 
What was the first car ride home from the hospital to your apartment with Austin when you when you finally left the hospital? What was that feeling like? Um, we were both terrified. We were so scared, and I was driving, so he was. Um, we put him in my car, um, and his parents were in town to help us try to transition home. Um, and then my parents were close by as well. So we had a lot of family. Um, but when we were in the car, um, I distinctly remember Austin just turning to me and he's like, Jill, now I have to face seeing people doing all the things that I was once able to do. Cause in the hospital, it was kind of a little bubble and you're like mm -hmm. hidden from the world. So like, you're kind of just like in this bubble and everything's focused. Like you're protected in a sense. You don't have to really face your all the actual real world issues because you're yeah. not in a real world right now. Exactly. At that point. Yeah. And so to like be out in the real world again and be like, oh my gosh, this is our reality. And like everybody else just kind of like, for me, like I kind of describe it as like um, time stood still for us and everybody else is like moving on in their lives and doing all these great things and we just kind of felt stuck. So, cause we were like, wow, we just feel like we are at like rock bottom, like trying to like, and Austin describes it as like teaching a toddler how to do things again. Cause he's like, I ha he had to learn how to roll and how to sit up and how to like transfer. And he, he was pretty weak from being in the hospital, like from all of his injuries. So like he had to build up a lot of upper body strength um, to be able to do those things. Plus he still had nine broken ribs. So he was doing all of this therapy while having nine broken ribs and cause it takes a long time for ribs to heal. Um, and so he was in, I, I don't even know like how he has, has, was able to do that because I'll, I'll talk to people that have had one broken rib and they're like, Oh my gosh, it was so hard to do anything. And I'm like, okay, imagine yeah, being paralyzed yeah. and having nine broken ribs and trying to like, yeah transfer your body or trying to even shower or, you know, any, any of the everyday things was like excruciating pain for him. So for sure. it was insane. Yeah. Wow. So, so yeah, you're facing this kind of daunting new life and you're thinking there's so many different ways this can go. And what was the one thing, you know, that kept you and Austin tethered to not just each other, but just kind of hope a sense of hope so we definitely or multiple things it doesn't have to be yeah. one just curious um i think um i just was so sorry and i get emotional talking about this um i'm so humbled by the support of so many people um we were really lifted um by our families like it was really really fun to see um like his brothers like um, there's, there's a picture of one of his brothers and his dad, like carrying him like somewhere. And I think we were at the movies or something over Christmas and they were like carrying him to a chair, um, or watching my family just completely, um, and his family, like just completely like take us under their wing and helping with like house things and giving us dinners and like, checking in with me and our friends. Um, some of my best friends would check in and make sure that we were okay. Um, and it was just really, really humbling, um, to feel that and to feel people's prayers. I don't think I've ever experienced, um, 
feeling people's prayers for you. Like I, cause people have always said that they're like, Oh, I've, I've felt the prayer for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they say, I've, I've felt your prayers. Yeah. But what yeah. does that mean? Yeah. And I was kind of like, okay, you know, um, but I truly did. Like, I really did feel like so many people rallied around us and just, when did it dawn on you that you were like, this, these are actual people's prayers that I'm experiencing right now that I'm in the midst of Um, from day one, from the, the day the accident happened. Um, and that was the strength that you was given to you without really, you didn't know you had essentially. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it was just amazing the power of that. Um, and that's why I say like, I don't know how people do it without um, believing in God or, or being able to pray. Cause I was like, I, I've grown such a testimony of that from this experience and being able to feel that and just like, and even on the other side of the veil. So being able to feel like, oh, wow, like our ancestors are cheering us on. Um, and Austin had some experiences with that, that he felt so strongly that like on the other side, like our families and our friends that have passed on were cheering for us that they were like, you can do this. You can, you can make it through this really awful trial that we would never wish on our worst enemy, you know? And so it was pretty amazing. And I think that's kind of what we've continued to hold on to when it gets really hard. We continue to hold on to that and just be like, you know what? Like God is real and he's helping us. And, and being able to help other people has also really um, strengthened us. We've had a lot of people reach out to us um, just with their own things that they're going through and being able to help them through their trials has been one of the biggest blessings I've ever experienced. First off, I just want to say, I have no question that you and Austin would be, you would be able to, you still can and you, I'm sure you do and definitely will have opportunities to fill that same role for others. So it's, it's so nice how this is cyclical. You know, we all experience problems and downtimes and, and whatever life-changing issues that take, take place in our lives. People that come to help us is kind of like this reminder that that's what we're here for. You know, we're here to help. We're here to be literally a, a shoulder to cry on for everybody else. And I'm sure that's been something that's resonated with you quite a bit. And I, I already know that about you. So I have no question that Austin's that same way, that you guys are going to be that same blessing to others in other circumstances and probably already have been in a lot of ways. Yeah, we hope so. We really hope that like if we are able to help somebody else through their huge life-changing trials or even small trials, it doesn't need to be something like getting paralyzed. Um, but if we can help somebody just be able to make it through something even little, that is a huge huge blessing for us. And we're so grateful because it, it has, we've come to meet some, some of the most humble, amazing people through this that we would have never met had we ever, had we not gone through this trial. So it's been a really, really unique, interesting experience for sure. I'm going to ask you a very specific spiritual question. Um, what role has the atonement played in all this? And how's your relationship with Christ specifically expanded and deepened? For sure. Um, um, sp specifically for Austin, um, he had kind of a 
Alma the Younger experience, kind of like where when he was out for four days, he felt this sense of like forgiveness for anything in his past or anything that he had, you know, gone through in this life, um, which was a really, really awesome thing for him. Like he and something that he continues to look back on um, where he just felt this love of the savior and being able to be like, wow, the savior knows what I am going through. He knows like on, on a deeper level than he had ever felt before. Um, and so that by getting hurt helped him realize how much um, the savior loves us and how much the savior did for us and that he really does understand um, the pains that we go through. And for me, um, going through just watching your spouse. Cause for me, I think the hardest thing is watching, um, how hard it is for Austin emotionally. Um, because I'll watch him see people doing the things that he loves. And it's like, as I stabbed to the heart, like, I'm just like, I, what I wouldn't do to like, let him have his legs back or, or wishing that it was me. Like I, I, I often will say like, I wish it could be me because I'm not athletic like he is. And like, I think I could, you know, not, not need my legs as much as he wants his legs. Um, but thankfully the savior, sorry. <laughs> um, the savior for me, that has been a huge blessing for me to understand the savior and his love for me as well as for Austin. Um, and like, as somebody like my love for Austin is, is deep, but I know the saviors is like a million times what mine is. And so that is a huge blessing because feeling that strength and that power is something I can't, can't even describe. So it's been a, a big blessing, even among a really, really hard trial. So that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that, Jill. Yeah. Um, couple other things I want to ask as we close in here and they're, they're not as pointed, certainly not as spiritually pointed. Um, but I was curious, uh, is, has Austin, is he able to drive now and everything? He is. Yes. And he is actually, um, fully independent now. Um, minus obviously like certain things like can't reach a certain height, obviously. And, um, certain things I still have to help with, but he is pretty much a hundred percent, um, independent, which is amazing and a huge blessing. Um, so he can drive. I actually have a cute, one of my cute previous students that I had, he's in a wheelchair. He has brittle bones disease. Um, and he is a cutie pie and he, um, did a fundraiser for Austin. No way. Yes. And it was the best. Wow. And one of the, the best things I've ever experienced. Um, he raised money so that we could outfit Austin's car. Um, Cause the one thing Austin said, he had gotten a forerunner like mm-hmm. a year before we got married, I think. And he was like, the one thing I don't want to give up is my car. And I was like, okay, I was like, we will do whatever it takes to keep that dang car, like whatever yeah, it takes yeah. from keeping that car. Um, and so they raised money for us to be able to outfit his car completely. 
um, so that he can, he has a lift in it. Do it all with the hands. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just amazing. Yeah. So. And so is he able to like put ditch his wheelchair at a certain part in the forerunner and then get in the car on his own? He, so he actually, if I'm not with him, um, he has to take it apart and drag it over his body. Yeah. So that, reminds, that reminds me a lot of Bishop Barney. He, okay. he, he, but he did it all the time because he would drive yeah. alone all the time. Yeah. And but they just get he got used to. Yeah. yeah so sure. you just pop the wheels off. And then yeah. he takes off the seat cushion and puts it on the side. And then he drags the frame of the wheelchair over top of his body and sticks it in the passenger seat. That's great. Has, has he gotten back into cycling? He has. He just did his first triathlon. Um, triathlon? Yes. He did a triathlon. Yeah. So how does that work? What's the, what's so, what the one instead of running that he would do, or does he just do yeah, cycling for running longer? Chair. Or yeah, they have different chairs for every sport. So um, the cycling, he lays on his back and uses okay. his arms, and then okay. the running chair, he leans forward. It's an, on a different kind of bike. It's very aerodynamic, um, and it's yeah. got these two big wheels and a little wheel in the front, and he leans forward. And hits the wheels with his hands. So that's awesome. Yeah, and he has protectors on his hands so that they don't get completely destroyed. But oh my goodness, what a stud! That's seriously, I've n- I'd never heard that before. Like, yeah, me neither. That was news to me. That's really cool. It was insane, and I didn't. A lot of people. It took me a while to understand the difference between running and cycling. Um, and so they, yeah, we, they raised. So his other friend, a friend of his, our friend Ben Light. Um, he's an ultra runner and he set up a fundraiser to get money for a running chair for Austin. So we have That's been so insanely blessed and loved and Costa Vida set up some fundraiser nights for Austin. So we have felt so incredibly supported by That's so many people. Yeah. And then the swimming part of the triathlon is just the normal swimming. Like, yeah. So he just straps his legs together um, yeah. because they kind of just float where sometimes they sink and Mm -hmm. so they allow him to have a strap and then his wetsuit kind of helps him float a little bit so they get let him have that i can can only imagine how jacked he is in his upper body now (laughs) yeah well and the funny thing is when we were dating because he had really really muscular legs because he's a cyclist Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, yeah. And so his legs were. Well, I remember the so, that picture that you shared of that last night. Like he's uh, a really fit guy. Yeah, like, you can just tell looking at him. Like he's fit. You could tell he can. He's athletic. That he yeah. he values using his body in really positive ways. For sure. Yeah. And so he had really muscular legs, and I would always joke because his arms were less because he was so focused on like cardio, everything yeah. cardio. Um. And so now it's the reverse. And so we joke yeah. like, oh well. Jill got her wish to like it. <laughs> like his arms are yeah. massive. So just it's hulking out. Yeah. Yeah. And had to change yeah. shirt sizes because his arms can't fit in a medium anymore. And so now he's a large, which at first he was like, I don't want to be a large and closed. Yeah. Um, but I was like, your arms don't fit in these shirts yeah. anymore. So it was kind of funny. Yeah. So, well, yeah. You know, not a lot of people would respond that way in those scenarios even. And so, this, that's not that it was inevitable that he was just going to have a muscular upper body. It's because he responded in such a positive way. And right. That's, yeah. 
that's fantastic to see. And it gives us all hope that, you know, whatever our trials may be, big or small, that we can also get through it, seeing stories and examples like this. One last question, because I cannot help my own curiosity. Okay. Um, whatever happened to the lady that hit him? And was there any co- continual relationship there? Yes. Um, so Austin, we, they're, they're not allowed to give us any information. Like the police were not allowed to give us that any makes sense. Um, but we figured it out. Like they, they put some info on the police report. And so Austin ended up um, reaching out to her um, because we both kind of sense, like, I mean, I know if I had hit somebody, I would be terrified to like reach out to them or like, I'm, I would sure, be like, yeah. want nothing to do with me, you know? Um, yeah. he ended up reaching out to her and just saying, Hey, like I'm Austin and like kind of telling her everything that had happened from the point of her hitting him to now. Um, and so she is amazing. She wrote him, they've, they've conversed back and forth a couple times. Um, and she did write him on his one year last year. Um, and he's coming up on his two year, um, in a couple weeks. Um, so she, they've had a little bit of communication and Austin was able to just say like, I forgive you. I know this was a complete accident and I hope you'll forgive yourself. Um, because she took it very, very hard. Um, and we just told her like, please, thankfully she's a member of the church. So, um, and she was so sweet. She was like, I have put your name in the temple every single week and I've prayed for you and I've prayed that like things would work out for you guys. Um, and so we've kind of been able to keep her updated and it's been a, a huge blessing. So we are super grateful that she ended up replying back and we told her if there at some point is a time that she would want to meet up or get together or anything that she could let us know. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like hearing that makes even me kind of emotional. Just the fact that she put his name in the temple every week and that I'm sure she felt absolutely awful, but she didn't let that stop her from still having hope and doing whatever she could to help you guys. It's pretty amazing. Yes. Yes. And Austin explained to her, he was like, I'm sorry that you had to be the one that hit me, you know, because he was explained to her. Like it was inevitable, right? Yeah. Yeah. He was like, I already knew that something like this was going to happen to me. So, but he's like, I just feel terrible that it had to be you that has to deal with that pain and that, and knowing that you changed somebody's life that drastically. Wow. That's that's an incredible way of looking at it, that she was basically just kind of the conduit. She was yeah. just the medium. Could have been anyone. Right. But that he he views it as this his it was inevitable that his life was going to change dramatically in in a in a way akin to this. And who who was the catalyst for that didn't matter to him. Right. Right. And for us it was like thankfully and because I've heard of stories where, you know, somebody got hit by a drunk driver or somebody that was texting or um, somebody that just wasn't paying attention or things like that. And that just kills me because I think it would have been so hard for me yeah. um, had that been the case. And so that was a tender mercy for us to just know like, okay, really, this was in the plan. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, and like, I'm sure you played a good role there too, that you were able to help Austin. Like, not that Austin would have just woken up and been like, I can't believe she hit me. Like, what was she doing? But just that you were right there to say, I, I knew exactly what she was seeing, which was almost yes. nothing. Yes. And that was a huge blessing for his family and for my family, like to hear like even me, like when I was going to the scene, I had that thought of like, that oh thought. my God, I can't yeah, see. that's incredible. So, and that, the fact that you picked up on that. I mean, that isn't, yeah. and, and remember that. I mean, there's a lot of people that could maybe sense that and be like, you know, it did seem a little weird driving there, but I don't care. Right. Cause this is my life now and I'm ticked off or whatever, Yeah. but you must've been really in touch with something for that to take place. I mean, that's, that's the other side of this. And I know you're not looking for credit, but the other side of this is that you do have to be in tune with the spirit in a certain way in order for these blessings to transpire in your life. That's how I really feel. And there's you and Austin are no exception to that. And the lady that hit Austin is no exception to that. Like that's, what's the importance of being grounded, you know, because then you're able to recognize that, you know what, there was certain things that were being set up. This didn't just happen haphazardly. And you say that you would have been able, it would have been hard for you to take had it been somebody that was inebriated or distracted in other ways. I still think there's a side of you and Austin that would have been able to actually still find forgiveness somehow. I really believe that. Right. right. And I would hope so. I would hope that even no matter the circumstances, we w- and I think we would get there. We would be able to be like, you know what? Like things happen and and people make mistakes. So that's right. just part of life. So probably would have just looked at it another way and been like, how can we help this person be better? Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Definitely. So. Yeah. Jill, let's go ahead and wrap it up. But seriously, I cannot thank you enough for the time yeah. taking that you took out to do this. I didn't know it was two weeks out for his two-year anniversary. So that makes me feel a little bit I, special too. Like timing-wise, yeah. it's great. Yeah, it's coming um, up. He's doing a 100-mile race on uh, – not a race, but like he's doing 100 miles. Just we always He always tries to do something big to commemorate the day yeah. and show like that he's still making it and doing hard things. So pretty fun. What is the day? So his is August 17th. So okay. yeah. And his brother actually gets home from his mission. He's been gone the two years that Austin's been hurt because his brother. No left. way. Yeah. His brother left. Right around that time. Yeah. The week that Austin was still in the hospital, he left wow. his mission and he gets home this summer. Incredible. Yeah. And he didn't come back for COVID or anything. No. He, well, he did for like a couple weeks but we didn't end up seeing him right um yeah, and then sent him back yeah yeah, yeah. Wow. so we're excited to see him seriously jill incredible story i feel like it needs to be out there as much as possible i can't wait to publish this so i'm gonna i'm gonna push it out here soon and seriously thank you again for taking the time this is amazing this is something this i'm not even kidding when i say this this has been one of the most fulfilling interviews i've ever done thank you that's nice really I appreciate it. Thank you for letting me come on. This has been really fun. So, of course. Yeah. Jill, we'll, we'll have to stay in touch, and I'll be looking forward to further updates with you and Austin as, as your lives move on. Awesome. Thank you. Alrighty. Have a good one. Thanks. Hey, guys. Just wanted to take a second. I really hope you enjoyed that episode. I really did have a blast recording it with Jill. Um, she was always a great friend. You know, I we didn't stay in touch a whole lot, but that's the amazing thing about social media is that you kind of catch glimpses of people that you've come in contact with in life and you kind of still feel like you're in the loop so to speak um i just wanted to take a moment and say that i've really enjoyed doing this podcast and 
I'm continuing to enjoy doing this podcast, and I hope you all have enjoyed listening to it. And if that's the case, I do hope you all have the desire to share it. Uh, Maybe leave a review for the podcast itself. And that's mainly just because I do like getting the word out there. Um, I like providing a lens for others that might be interested in hearing just kind of random tidbits about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints um, through the lens of someone like me in the state of Utah, single in my 30s, male. I try and get other stories out there. And just when I have awesome feedback, which I have, and it's been great, and um, when I have people that sincerely enjoy listening, it means a lot to me, and it gives me the courage and encouragement to continue moving forward. And that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm doing that consistently, and that's a lot due to your guys' feedback, and I really appreciate it appreciate all of that and so if you could take a moment and uh either spread the word share it leave a review or whatever um it just always kind of warms my heart and keeps things going which there really hasn't been any other reason to feel otherwise it's it's only grown it's gotten bigger gradually and it's been really fun to see all that and again that is thanks to all of you that take the time to actually listen um and and it means a lot so i appreciate that i know your time is valuable so the fact that you're taking time to listen to me you know, go off on some certain things, rant about this, rant about that, pontificate here and there. Um, it really does mean a lot. So I'm always open to feedback. If there are things you don't like or would rather not hear um, or want me to improve on, please, I'm all ears. If you have a story out there that you know of that somebody might want to come on and talk about, I'm all ears. Seriously, I love it. Anyway, um, love you all and uh, hope you're doing well and and uh, hope uh, hope you keep on listening.